Hi, welcome to Diversity in the D. I'm your host, Anna, and this is my co-host. Peace out loud. Today, we're going to be covering the case of Bob Ashira. On January 24th, 2012, Bob Bashira reported his wife missing about 11 p.m. It was a Tuesday. He had told police he expected his wife to be home around 8 p.m. after running errands, but she had made she hadn't made it home family of bob's wife jane jane has said she left for work about 5 30 a.m that day and on and then she arrived back home about 6 p.m bob said he had gotten home at 8 p.m and his wife wasn't at home on january 25th 2012 a tow truck driver was called to tow a Mercedes-Benz that was parked in an alley on Detroit's east side near Pinewood Avenue and Anak Street. When the tow truck when the tow truck located the vehicle, he found more than just the vehicle. He also found the body of dead Jane Bashir. An autopsy of Jane's body revealed she was strangled to death, and in a police investigation, they always look at the spouse so on january 27th bob Bashir went to gross point police department and took a polygraph test while taking the test police gave him a search warrant for his home where they removed computers and took pictures they named bob as a person of interest in his wife's death bob's polygraph results and statements to the police were inconclusive Investigators also had evidence that Jane and Bob had been together that night. Jane went missing in downtown Detroit, and sources were also saying that Jane's killer did not act alone in her murder. January 31st, they held Jane Bashara's funeral at Groves Point Memorial Church, where hundreds of people who attended to pay their respects on that day. Sources say that an individual that had knowledge of the murder of Jane Fisher, had walked into the police station and asked to speak to investigators. The individual with knowledge is placed in police custody while police continue to work to verify the information that is the individual have given. The man that the police had in custody was a handyman named Joseph Brintz, and he and he had claimed that Bob Fisher had paid him to kill his wife Jane and that he was directly involved in the murder but he was he was forced to be involved by another person who was in the room at the time of Jane's murder meanwhile the press were all over the Bashara the Bashara and Bob spoke out saying that I think for my I think for my children for my family and yes for me I would know I would like to know who is responsible, make them pay to be punished within our legal system. <laughs> it would mean a lot to me. It would bring closure to the whole thing because, like my sister said, I have been named a person of interest and people have pointed the fingers at me and all different issues have came up. And since the press was so involved in the case because Bob was a wealthy real estate mogul, and was really digging and to find information on Bashar's. 
but no one could imagine what turned up that had everyone that had everyone shook bob the man with secret second life as monster bob master bob master bob what the a a sex slave master he kept his he kept this a secret from his wife and two children Bashara kept a sex a sex dungeon competing with hooks whips harnesses and in a dingy room beneath a hard luck lounge in gross point he also had mistresses that he had met on the internet on a bdsm site on march 5th 2012 joe glance was charged with first degree murder and conspiracy to commit murder and was being held at wayne county jail but the media asked bob about the allegations against him by joe he declined to comment with joe glance information on the murder of of on the murder of the murder on june 26 2012 bob sherry was arrested and accused of trying to solicit trying to solicit the murder of joe glance where joe glance was behind bars but sure at his plea said he he uh, I can't get off merely he merely foolishly and regrettably of offered i'm sorry uh kind of hot and tongue-tied to pay money to a detroit furniture store owner who had have glints killed while he was while he was in house in a Wayne County jail facilitation. Police and prosecutors say Bashir paid Steve Tebru two thousand as a ten percent down payment to have Gantz killed in William Dickerson detention facility in Hampshire to prevent Gantz for testifying against him. After Bashir's initial offer, Tebro went to police and wrote a hidden wire and and wore a hidden wire to secretly tape record further conversations with Bashir. Bob Bashir was sentenced to a a minimum of eighty months in prison and and a maximum of twenty years. He he was eligible for parole in two thousand nineteen. And Joe Gantz was sentenced on February 19, 2013, to 17 to 28 years in prison for James Bashir's murder. He maintained that Bob had promised to pay him for killing Jane. Finally, on May 1st of 2013, Bob was arraigned and charged, including conspiracy to commit murder, solicitation to commit murder, perjury, witness, intimidation, and obstruction of justice in his wife's death. He pled not guilty to the judge in the case decide and in the case decides that bob would stand trial on jane's death and receive a no plea deal on october 7 2014 bob murder trial began at bob's trial joe gantz refused to first take the stand and said that bob had nothing to do with the murder of his wife and the police coached him on what to say in court but after he learned from his attorney the possibility consequences of perjury this this discussed the day James Bashir was killed. 
and said that Bob Bashir pulled a gun on him and told him to shut to, to shut her up. Get said he was promised eight thousand dollars in a Cadillac for the murder, but later said it was ten thousand dollars. He admitted to breaking James Bashir's neck and said Bob Bashir was present during the murder. The jury heard two months of testimony before finally deliberating in Bob's case on December 11, 2014. And on December 18, 2014, Bob was convicted of first-degree murder and was sentenced on January of 2015 to life in prison for plotting to have his wife Jane killed. He appeared to he he appealed his conviction and life sentence was saying his rights had been violated by insignificant defense. He also claimed he was denied a fair trial. Officers confirmed that Bashir died Monday, August 17, 2020 at the Woodlawn Center Correctional Facility. Bashir was 62 years old when he was pronounced dead. Yeah, that's crazy. Sick bastard. I remember when this case happened, it was so big and they actually had went into his little sex dungeon and all his mistresses were on a stand and it, it was crazy. And then after the handyman came forward, he hired someone to try to kill a handyman. So like if he's going to try to, you know, hire someone to kill the handyman that came forward, said he killed his wife and Bob was in on it. Obviously Bob did it because I mean, yeah, it was a, this was a crazy case, crazy, crazy case. I mean, I, I could have went on and on with it, but, you know, just we don't have that much time, so I just had to narrow it down. But yeah, dude, I was tripping <laughs> just because he's a it's always like the rich guys with all the money that's like, Oh, I want these mistresses and I want to live, live this double life, and I'm just gonna kill off my wife. <laughs> I just don't understand it. Sometimes they should go left, yeah. they set your rich ass up to get your ass up out of the way. And they said that the handyman that he heard. They he was kind of slow, so. But then they have the guy, almost tried to knock off the guy while he's in prison, and for a while the guy said he was scared for his life. I mean, he didn't want to testify on the stand because he's scared for his life, which I don't blame him. But that's why you would think that. I mean, normally that type of shit happened in a prison. It was in Dickerson. You trying to get somebody killed in Dickerson? Like hell, right, man? That's the. <laughs> That's a minimum security. That's for misdemeanors. Like, the hell is going on? I'm trying to figure out why was he even in Dickerson if he was arrested for murder. Right, I don't know. The hell? <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that was the story of Bob Bashir. If you guys want to dig deeper into that, you guys are more than welcome. But a big case that happened was uh, in the Natalie Holloway. Do you remember Natalie Holloway? Familiar. Yeah, it was a big, big case, but uh, her killer, Jor, Jor, Joran Vandersloot, admitted to killing Alabama teenager Natalie Holloway in Aruba in 2005 in a confession that was revealed publicly. It's the interdict plea deal with the federal prosecution in an extortion case stemming from the disappearance that received internal attention. Vandersloot confessed that he killed Natalie Holloway while she was on a high school graduation trip. And in an interview that his attorney conducted, the interview was provided to U.S. authorities as part of a plea deal for federal charges that Vandersloot tried to extort a quarter million dollars from Beth Holloway in exchange for information about her daughter's death. 
Vandersloot hasn't been charged in Natalie Holloway's killing and can't be tried in the U.S. for it. Vandersloot provided graphic details about the killing in the, in the interview with his attorney. He and Natalie Holloway lie down on a beach together at night and started kissing. As the kissing continued, Vandersloot started touching her. When Holloway said no and told Vandersloot to stop, he continued touching her anyway. She ends up me in the crotch, Vandersloot said. Vandersloot said he stood up and kicked her extremely hard in the face. Then he found a large cinder block and hit her with it. Seeing what he had done, he moved her body into the ocean until the water was up to his knees and he pushed her out to sea. Beth Holloway said Vandersloot's confession was verified with a polygraph test. Vandersloot pleaded guilty to extortion and wire fraud charges during Wednesday's hearing. And he was sentenced to 20 years in prison to run concurrently with this 28-year sentence to, in Peru to, in another killing. He was charged in 2010 with the trying to extort Beth Holloway in exchange for information about her missing daughter's remains. But he was extradited to the U.S. until earlier this year. As part of the plea deal, an attorney for Beth Holloway said Vandersloot had to provide details about what happened to Natalie Holloway before Manasco imposed her sentence. Beth Holloway told the court that Vandersloot had said he killed her daughter. Holloway was legally declared dead in 2012. Her remains haven't been found. She was last seen with Vandersloot on the Caribbean island nation during the May 2005 trip. The extortion case dates back to 2010 when Holloway had been missing for nearly five years. According to a grand jury indictment, Vandersloot contacted Beth Holloway's attorney, John Q. Kelly, and offered to give him details about how Natalie Holloway died and about the location of her remains in Aruba for initial payment of 25000 In the next part of the scheme, when the remains were confirmed to be Holloway's, her mother would then pay to Vandersloot an additional 225000 according to the indictment. Vandersloot took Kelly to a site in Aruba, but after securing the initial 25000 payment, Vandersloot said in an email that the information he provided was worthless, according to the, the indictment. In June, Vandersloot was extradited to the U.S. from Peru, where he has been incarcerated since he pleaded guilty in 2012 to killing 21-year-old college student Stephanie Flores. Beth Holloway said she was overcome with mixed emotions by Vandersloot's extradition. I'm hopeful that some small semblance of justice may finally be re realized. Even though no act of justice will heal the pain we've endured, she said in a statement. Dave Holloway called that extradition an important step toward accountability and hopefully justice. U.S. Attorney Prime Escalona said Vandersloot would be returned to Peru after the case concludes. So that's crazy. Like, he tried to extort Natalie's mom, the woman that he killed, for money to find her body. And that poor mother, thinking, okay, she's finally going to get closure about her kid. Wired him $25,000, went to Aruba to meet up with them. And he's like, oh, well, this and this and this. Uh, and I'll give you the rest when we, you know, she's like, I'll give you the other 225000 when we find her remains. He got back to wherever and, and sent her email and said, oh, well, I, the information I gave you is whatever. And took the money. So not only did you kill her daughter, you extorted her out of money like how messed up is that i mean they ain't killed another girl yes yeah, so he's just yeah. he's just sick 
and you're, he, he's, the whole thing is this, this this was just for you know him trying to extort money this case is he had to admit to kill what he did to her and that's how they found out because they were getting him on extortion yeah it's just... and it's bad because they're he's still not charged with their murder but he confessed, so it was taking them so long. Because it happened, the extortion case was in the U.S. But I guess um, he can be still returned to Peru and tried for her, no, because she was on a class trip that way, so they would have to try her in Peru. Try him in Peru or the Caribbean. They, they, they better, I mean, because no it's no statute of limitation on murder. So he com- he confessed to a murder. So he he deserved to be charged with that murder. Yeah, this is crazy. <clears throat> but I'm glad that her parents did finally find out what really happened. Yeah. And maybe they get although he has not been charged yet, this gives them a little bit of closure. Yeah. So what was the relationship between them two? They say um, they know each other. I, th- I think, like, she was hanging out with him and a couple of friends that night, and the French drops, like, her, him off and her off, and, I don't know, that's what I think. That's not facts, but, yeah. And then she came up messing, and he was the last one with her, so. And then for years, he denied even. Some type of damn friends. He dropped people off with strangers. Right. That's why they say, stick together, don't just leave people with random people so when you got friends like that you don't need enemies so this one is a woman murdered by her ex the investigation of a missing woman out of macomb county ended tragically when she was allegedly murdered by her ex-boyfriend who later killed himself with a self-inflicted gunshot the 25 year old victim was a resident of macomb township she was reported missing october 12th after her co-workers became concerned when she didn't return from her lunch break they then began receiving odd text messages from her phone. According to the Macomb County Sheriff's Office, the victim was suspected of being with her ex-boyfriend, a 26-year-old man from Holly. Amid the search for the 25-year-old, the Sheriff's Office investigation revealed the suspect had been waiting at the victim's home. Surveillance footage from a neighbor's home showed the suspect leaving the victim to his vehicle around 1.42. A day later, the suspect's parents received a phone call from their son who said he had killed the victim and was planning on killing himself. They alerted police of the location of the suspect in LaSalle. More surveillance videos and witness statements at a truck stop confirmed the suspect fatally shot the victim around midnight. He later fled to Iowa and shot himself as local officers approached his vehicle. If you are a loved one that's feeling distressed, call the National Suicide Prevention and Lifeline. The crisis center provides free and confidential emotional support 24 hours a day, seven days a week to civilians and veterans. Call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 988 or 1-800-273-8255 or text to 741-741. So that's sad. You're going to take her out and then take yourself out? Right. What a chump. It's like, what is wrong with people? Okay. And then we got a fatal shooting. A Ypsilanti woman has been charged with the fatal shooting of another woman during a baby shower in Detroit, according to prosecutors. Shawanda Woods, 44, allegedly shot and killed Phoebe and Williams October 15th after an argument escalated 
according to a press release from the Wayne County Prosecutor's Office, which allegedly pulled out a gun and shot Williams in the neck. Detroit police were sent to the home in the 15,600 block of Edmore Drive and found Williams in the kitchen dead. Woods was charged with second-degree murder and felony firearm. Woods fled to the Detroit Police Department's 9th Precinct after the shooting. It was followed by Williams' son, Leandra, Leandre Love, who allegedly hit her with his car in the parking lot as she was getting out of her vehicle. Love was charged with attempted murder and felonious assault. Wood was taken to the hospital and is in serious condition. Woods is in custody in the Wayne County Jail and does not have bond. Love was given a $100,000 personal bond. <laughs> I had to get that out a little bit. <laughs> Which, I mean, you, you killed his mama. What you expect him to do? He's going to run your ass over. He'll be lucky he ain't shoot your ass. The hell? Uh, he going to get charged for something. She already done killed his mama. They supposed to let that shit slide. Right, but you're gonna follow her to the police station and then yeah, run he didn't give no fucks. That's, what, that's <laughs> how it's supposed to be. He should have ignited her ass. Anything that was missing, he just rolled back over her ass. The hell, that was instant karma, huh? The hell? Well, is there anything you want to say before we end this episode? First thing I wanted to just comment on that, like. <laughs> These baby showers, like, what the hell is going on? Why everybody want to get violent at baby showers? I'm just trying to figure out that type of type of time. Like, you idiots get together and go to baby showers. Majority is a bunch of women. So, why are y'all so uptight, folks? You're celebrating life, a, a new life that's going to be brought into the world. But Taking life, about to get your <laughs> life tucked in. So, that type of shit, that shit weird. I mean, it's not funny. I'm sorry. I'm still laughing about the sun running over the... Yeah, I mean, he should have ignited her ass. Like, yeah. well, he thought, like, well, hey, that's... <laughs> That's a get back game for real. He like he ain't get no he ain't running her ass over at the police station. Right. Well I bet you he was in distress. That was his mom and Right. You know. Well then he, that's instant. That's 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 that hey, look here. We gotta You know how sons are with their mamas. Yeah. So I did the same damn thing. I know you would have. <laughs> she just would have been alive. Sorry to say. But shout out to y'all. Thank y'all for y'all support. And love you guys. Keep supporting us. Getting there. And remember to listen, subscribe, and keep it going. And I just want to say I hope everybody enjoyed this beautiful October day. I mean, it was amazing to be this nice and warm in October here in Michigan. And I also want to say Thank you to all our listeners. We really appreciate you. If you like what you hear, please don't forget to subscribe, like, follow, and comment. We are also available on the following platforms, Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, YouTube, and more. Our Facebook page is Diversity in the D, and our email is diversityind at gmail.com, but it's spelled D-I-B-E-R-C-I-T-Y-I-N-T-H-E-D. Thanks again to our listeners. Without you, there's no us. We are now on Instagram, Diversity in the D. Till next time.